0: wonderful time of year, first Sunday in October, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning. October is our missions month here at Centennial, and we have some incredible things planned over these next five Sundays, and our mission banquet is coming up on October 30th, so four weeks from today, and it'll be at 5.30 p.m. out in the gymnasium. Uh, we want everybody to be there to celebrate together. We're hoping to have 20 different tables. And our list of uh, table captains has grown slightly since last Sunday, but we still have 15 more to go. And uh, when I first came to Idaho as a pastor in 1998, uh, I go to a pastor's meeting, and yeah, one of the things that all the pastors told me is, hey, there's this culture in Idaho where people uh, are really helpful but if you publicly ask people to volunteer for stuff, they won't volunteer. You have to like, actually go and personally ask them, and then, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that, and they'll do it. And so the culture is you got to go personally asked. And, and so could, I just set, could we set aside the Idaho culture on this table, Captain, thing? Could you just go volunteer, please? Our staff has so many other things to do other than to have to call you up and ask you to volunteer, and hear you say, I'd love to volunteer. If you would love to volunteer, go volunteer, all right? This is not rocket science, people. There are two sheets of paper back at Connection Point. You're coming to the banquet, just go volunteer. You're going to sit somewhere. Why not just write your name down, okay? Uh, it's not hard to be a table captain, though. you get got three basic jobs. Get eight to 10 people to sit at your table. They can be from your own family. Uh, provide some type of centerpiece, okay? I don't care if it's a Lego building set. It's a centerpiece. Uh, and uh, be in charge of keeping the special projects offering envelope for your table. And we're going to start unveiling projects next Sunday. So it'd be great if we could get all 20 captains by today. Now, for the food this year, uh, we're going to have an international theme. And so we need everybody... To bring an international dish and an international dessert, okay you could get really exotic or you can bring Italian lasagna and Belgian cream puffs okay you do it however you want it's going to be a lot of fun as we celebrate what the lord's doing through this local church you know as we look around our world in every place on the planet, there are problems sin has affected every tribe and every nation, and there are some issues that seem to be common in just about every place. Uh, Spiritual emptiness is the number one global giant. Self-centered leadership is everywhere. It's in nations, in corporations, in churches, wherever you look. Uh, Extreme poverty exists in so many places. Preventable illnesses uh, are a perpetual problem. And lack of education affects generation after generation. These five things are known as the global giants. And let me repeat them just if you're keeping the score. Spiritual emptiness, self-serving leadership, extreme poverty, preventable diseases, and lack of education. Now, Jesus came not to just give us life. He came to give us life more abundantly. And he has designed the local church to be the answer for these giant problems in our world today. The answer for spiritual emptiness is to preach the gospel of reconciliation and plant new churches where there are none. Uh, The answer for self-serving leadership is to equip servant leaders. The answer for extreme poverty is to assist the poor. The answer for preventable illness is to care for the sick and to teach them uh, how to stay away from those illnesses. And yeah, the answer for lack of education is to educate the next generation. Now, at Centennial, we call that peace, P E A C E, preach, equip, assist, care, educate. And we do this not only here locally, but we do this globally with a missions team of pastors in southern India. And we also do this in the country of the Republic of Congo with the pastors there. we call that missions, because it is the mission we have been given by Christ. Here in the month of October, we're going to look at the harvest fields that Jesus has assigned to every believer at every church as he was about to ascend into heaven. He told the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, you'll notice that he didn't say Jerusalem or Judea. Okay? He didn't say Judea, then Samaria. He said Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. Every believer. And every church has been given a commission that simultaneously reaches personally, locally, and globally. And every Christian should be involved in personal missions as a witness for Christ with the people that we already know. And and that's what we're going to talk about this morning in the first message. We're going to talk about personal peace, personal missions. And every Christian should also be involved in local missions through the ministries of the church. We'll talk about that for the next two Sundays. And every Christian should also be involved in global missions. And we'll talk about that the final two Sundays of the month. And, and so in our series on harvest fields, uh, we're going to look at 12 different people or passages that give us glimpses of the harvest fields. And so today in Jerusalem, or personal piece, we're going to visit three passages uh, that show us a personal approach to missions, and these are all in your notes and your bulletin, uh, or you could go on the YouVersion app and follow along with us on these. First, I want you to go with me to John chapter one, John chapter one, and I want you to see how relationships are crucial to bringing people to Jesus. Uh, as we go to John chapter one, initially, I, I want to read there in verse number 35. Again the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And and so Jesus invites these two disciples of John to come and see. Now, he didn't ask them to sign up to be a disciple. Uh, He didn't ask them to do anything hard. He didn't ask them to become martyrs for the faith. He just invited them to come and see. He invited them to experience what he was doing. Come and see. And this is a great starting point in personal missions. Uh, Come and see, those three words, uh, are a springboard for personal evangelism or personal missions. If you go down to verse number 40, we find that one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now look at verse 41, and if you like to underline or highlight in your Bible, there's some things in this verse that are going to pop out at you as, as we read it. Look what it says, he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, or the anointed one, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation, a stone. And so Andrew first finds his own brother, Simon. And so here's what we're talking about, starting with the people you already know, okay? After all, if you won't invite the people that you know to Jesus, how will you ever invite people that you don't know? Okay, so Jesus says, start with the people you know and invite them to come to Jesus. Now, go down to verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, saith unto him, follow me. Now, Philip was a to the city of Andrew and Peter. So, Jesus now invites Philip to follow him. But watch what happens next. Verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him. Okay, that's the same thing that Andrew told his brother. He said, We found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come of Nazareth? And look what Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. So Philip tells Nathaniel, hey, we found him, like him, as in the Messiah. And Nathaniel's skeptical. He's like, Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? There's no way the Messiah comes from Nazareth, right? That'd be like in Southern Idaho, like, can any good thing come out of Cuna, right? Can any good thing come out of Parma? Does anybody in here live in Parma? Okay, no Parma people today? I thought we had some, per- how about notice? Anybody live in notice? Okay, we got a notice person, so we can't pick on notice. Uh, how many of you have relatives in CUNA that I just offended? Okay, a couple people in the back. Uh, well, goodness. Vanessa, you apologize to him for me, all right? Sorry to offend the CUNA people. Uh, but it's interesting to see that he said, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Do you know Jesus Christ? can stand up to scrutiny, right? All you got to do is bring people to him. He can stand up to all the scrutiny, right? All the questions, all the skepticism, all the preconceived ideas. Jesus, he's seen them all. He knows them all. And it's so Jesus did the rest here. Uh, Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus, and Jesus saw Nathaniel coming a mile away. He saw his innermost needs. He knew his private struggles, just like he knows the desires and the desperations of your friends and your family members. See, it's our job to invite people to Jesus, and it's Jesus' job to draw them to himself. Look how this happened, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. It said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. You know what Nathanael was doing under the fig tree? He was praying. And Jesus just gave the glory of God and said, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Now, Just a a minute before, Nathanael said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? There's no way he's the Messiah. And now after one sentence, he says, you're the Son of God. That's how quick the miracle of Jesus can change a person's life. And Jesus said, you're going to see many greater works than these. Now Jesus reveals his love for Nathanael. Think about this. Andrew and Philip had never taken a formal evangelism class. But they knew how to invite one person to come to Jesus. They didn't invite 10, but they did invite one. And they had sufficient influence to persuade Simon and Nathaniel to show up. Now, most Christians, including most of the people in this room, you have no idea how much influence you have. You have much more influence than you know. I was looking at some statistics the other day on what brings people to church. There was a mainline denomination that did a survey. Survey uh, Coming in at 0.3%, okay? They saw it on the internet. That's about one out of 300 people, okay? Uh, coming in also at 0.3%, they received a letter. At 1.6%, a stranger invited me. It's about one out of 60 people. Uh, 10.2%. I moved from another place, and I was looking for a church in my community. Now, watch this jump. 38%. Someone I already knew mentioned the church or invited me. 38%. That's crazy. The rate of people who came because someone they already knew invited them is 25 times the rate of people who came because a stranger invited them. Now, I'm not saying don't invite strangers. You should. But start with the people God's already placed in your life. Start with one. That's what, Andrew, that's what Philip did. I read another stat from a survey that blew me away. Uh, this was a combination survey by LifeWay Research. And they invited uh, some unchurched people for the survey and some church people. Now, 82% of unchurched people said that they would go to church, or at least strongly consider it, if a friend invited them. 82%. But that's not the crazy stat from the survey. This is the crazy stat. This blew me away. Only 2% of Christians invited a friend to church in the last year. Oh, my goodness. We're not using our influence. Your influence is exponentially larger than you think it is. At least it's larger than you've used it. Now, we want to give you an opportunity to change all that and to use your influence to bring people to Christ. Uh, On the first Sunday of November this year, so five weeks from today, we have a special Sunday called Who's Your One? Okay? Who's your one? And we're not going to ask you to invite 10 people to church or five people to church. Can anyone guess how many people we're going to ask you to invite to church? One person. That's it. Who's your one? It's a starting point for every single child of God. Who's your one? For Andrew, it was his brother Simon. For Philip, it was his friend Nathaniel. They just said, come and see. Now, for our next glimpse, I want you to go forward to Acts chapter 8. And I love this passage. In Acts chapter 8, where we find this concept, Philip preached unto him Jesus. Now, believe it or not, this is a different guy named Philip than the one we just talked about. Okay, the, the one we talked about earlier became one of the 12 disciples, but this Philip was a deacon in the Jerusalem church, and at that church, deacons were actively bringing people to Jesus. Now, now, once again, this is personal mission or personal evangelism, and this time, Philip was dealing with a stranger. So let's see what happened. Acts 8, verse 26, and you want to be right in the passage so you can follow along with me. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And so God gave Philip a specific direction. He didn't even know why he was going yet. God just told him to go. Verse 27, And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So Philip arose and went. Now, some people say it's just in their own minds, they probably don't say it out loud they say, "You know what? The Holy Spirit never gives me specific direction. God, if you would just tell me what to do, I would do it. But here's the problem: He's already told you what to do in the word of God. And if you aren't doing what you already know to be true in God's word, why would the Spirit give you even more specific direction? Right? Obedience starts with the information that you have already been given. Now we get to verse number 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. So the Ethiopian was already seeking God. Now look at this, he's reading an Old Testament scroll. That he picked up somewhere in Jerusalem. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And so sharing the gospel required proximity. Philip had to get close to the man. You can't do personal evangelism without proximity. It might be physical. It may be emotional. It's for sure going to be spiritual. But you have to put down some of your barriers. Verse number 30, and Philip ran thither to him. So the guy, the guy uh, you know, got this word, Philip did, from the Holy Spirit, go near, he ran toward him. And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, understandest thou what thou readest? So Philip started with a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? Now look at verse 31. The eunuch said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So Philip's compassion led to a closer meeting. The guy invited Philip to come and sit in the chariot. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opening not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And a eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And so Philip had to start where the man was. Okay, when you're witnessing to another person, the starting point has to be where he or she is. Uh, when I was in high school, I think it was the year before my senior year, the summer of 89, uh, we took a bus, a tour bus from Oklahoma and drove all the way up uh, to Canada. We started in Vancouver and then we walked, worked across to Saskatchewan on this evangelism tour. And so there's a whole bus of us, like 40 people, and we go into these cities and uh, do witnessing in parks and skate parks, and and uh, then we'd have church services every night. And so we we're in Vancouver, and I remember going. Uh, this was Vancouver. Vancouver's was a really nice city back then. If you've been there lately, it's it's getting rough. But uh, the parks were really nice, and we we're in this park, and there's this kid that we saw that was like 15 or 16. He was a little younger than I was, but close to my age. And, and so I started talking to him, and uh, we asked, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And he said, I've never been to church. And he's like 15 or 16. We were from the Bible Belt, okay? Oklahoma, everybody went to church. So he said, I've never been to church. I was like, you've never been to church? I said, well, what do you know about Jesus? And he said, I've never heard of that. I said, you never heard of that? I've never heard of that. And so you know what we had to do? We had to start where he was, right? You can't tell somebody how to come to Jesus if they don't even know who Jesus is, right? So you got to start where people are. Now look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So Philip guided the topic toward Jesus. He used Isaiah to springboard into a talk about Jesus. Then I want you to read at verse 36, because this is so crucial. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so Philip defined the gospel of true salvation. Now, did you notice that the eunuch said, hey, there's some water. Why can't I just go get baptized? And Philip had to explain the proper order. First, you have to believe in Jesus for salvation, right? He's basically saying this. If you get baptized before you get saved... You're just getting wet. okay? Baptism is a symbol of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that identifies with him after salvation. Now, believe it or not, there are some modern Bible printings that don't have verse 37 in them. Like the whole verse is missing. The number's not even in there. 37's out. Now, whether they purposely took it out or not, They made it seem like someone could be a Christian just by getting baptized. And Philip didn't want any confusion on this issue. He's like, hey, we can't get the cart before the horse. First, you got to believe. Then you get baptized. Verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Okay, so after he was saved... The Ethiopian man practiced believers' baptism, the first step of obedience for a Christian. As you read the end of the passage, you find that this event caused rejoicing and further witness. Now, I want to move to our third glimpse this morning in personal missions. It's in the tiny book of Philemon. And so Philemon is sandwiched in between Titus and Hebrews. And Philemon's only one chapter long. And we find here in the book of Philemon that Paul, the apostle, is in a Roman prison. You say, oh, how horrible. That doesn't seem like it would be God's will. Let's read and find out, okay? So, verse number one, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, And fellow laborers. So they're writing to this guy named Philemon. And uh, they talk about rejoicing. And they talk about the character of Philemon. But let's get down to what the letter was all about. Why'd he write? Verse number nine. Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds." which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and me. And so here we find out that Onesimus was in prison justly. Okay, verse 18 says that he had wronged Philemon. He had committed a crime against his master. His master is Philemon, this wealthy man. Yeah, that's who Paul's writing the letter to. Now, verse 9 that we already read shows us that Paul was in prison unjustly, okay? His only crime was preaching the gospel. There was absolutely no reason he should have been in prison unless God had allowed him to be put in prison to meet someone who needed redemption. Now, think of of this. If Paul had allowed himself uh, to grow a woe-is-me attitude, he would have missed the opportunity God sent his way. And unfortunately, that's what most of us do when trouble comes. Instead of looking around to see who God would have us to influence during our trial, we're constantly looking for escape patches to get out of the trial. And it's hard to even stop and think, why has God allowed me to be in this situation right now? But Paul did. And God used Paul's trial... As a testimony, Uh, I don't know how the friendship started. Maybe Onesimus said, Hey, what are you in for? And Paul said, Oh, you know, I'm innocent. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm here for preaching the gospel. And Onesimus said, What's the gospel? Or maybe Onesimus said, Hey, why do you always seem so happy? Didn't you get the memo? We're in the dungeon. Uh, Maybe Paul said, Why do you always look so sad? We don't know how it started, but we do know this. They became friends, and uh, Paul befriended this man in the dungeon. Look at verse number 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more to thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul saw value where others saw none. Paul befriended somebody who maybe nobody else in the world would have shown attention to. And that attention made an eternal difference for Onesimus. And all the people that Onesimus reached for Christ and all the people they reached as well. See, personal peace, personal missions, personal evangelism is amazing in the fact that it's an opportunity to be used by God, whether that means inviting someone you already know to come and see, uh, whether you specifically go to find another person because you're led of God, uh, or you connect with a person during the middle of a difficult season of your life. It is just you talking to another person. And we said this morning that it all starts with one. It all starts with one. And so who's your one? Who is it that you're going to talk to uh, in your life this week? And it could be that God's going to bring somebody across your path in a unique way or in a trial or during a test. But who's your one is the idea that we want you to leave with here this morning. Now, before we close in our prayer today... Uh, we want to present to you some of our recent graduates from Class 101. And so I'm going to ask the following uh, people to just come up at the front, and I've got a little gift for you, and uh, then uh, we just want to all clap for you together, all right? So Timothy and Kimberly Murray, uh, John and Dora Law, Tori Pluger, Tyler and Lindy Reeby, and Andrew and Lauren Beck. If you guys would all just come right up to the front here. All right, come on, come on. All right, just, just stretch out right across the front here. Some, some of you come over here with John and Dora. We don't want them to seem lonely on this side. All right, got to balance it out a little bit. Okay, I've got a little gift here. Got to keep everybody hydrated here. Okay, there we go. And see if I can get all these. Tori. All right, give him a hand. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, The next opportunity for Class 101 is coming up on October 23rd, if you've never taken that class. And we are changing. Uh, some of our class structure a little bit for our next steps. And even if you've taken it before, this is a great time to go back through because we've got new information uh, that is so crucial to what we do as a church family. But I want to thank all those who did class 101. Now, we also have uh, three couples who have finished all of the next steps recently. Okay, they did 101, 201, 301, and 401 and last Sunday night, they did the class on evangelism. And so we have a little gift we want to give them as well today. So Bryce and Tresta Glasser, Taylor and Tabitha Pemberton, and Tyler and Jamie Smith, if you would come up, and we have a gift for you guys as well. All right. All right, we'll, we'll wait till they get here. They, they're they not sitting in the back because they're backslidden, they're sitting back there because of their kids, okay? So just didn't want you guys to get the wrong idea that it took them so long to get up here, and now they're here, okay, all right. We have, uh, this is for you and Tressa, and we think that couples could share a book. If you want your own, though, couples, just get you your own, okay? So... No, you can have your own if you want. Like, if you both have a library um, and you'd like your own, not, you don't have to see me right now, but sometime. All right, let's congratulate them. Very good. All right, so we're leaving this place today, and I want you to have that question in your mind, who's your one? And let God put that on your heart for who's your one Sunday. Uh, and also, on your way out, I know I mentioned this in such a loving way before, we need table captains, okay, (laughs) 15 of them, and uh, you know, it would be such a blessing to me before I went to get in my car after getting everything done today to see the entire list full, Uh, and that would be an incredible blessing to me if you would do that. So we need 15 table captains. You could do it with another family or with your small group or somebody you serve with, some of you have eight people like in your own family. All right? So uh, get that done for us. I sure would appreciate it. Let's stand together, and we're going to close in prayer this morning. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll be here for every week of the series. Uh, it's such an important month for this church, uh, and I, I hope you'll be here for every part of it uh, so that we can do this in a united way together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace and goodness to us. We thank you for these scriptural examples that we've seen this morning of personal mission, just inviting people to come and see, being willing to be led by the Holy Spirit to talk to certain people, and yeah, being willing to talk to people when we're in the midst of a trial or they're in the midst of a trial. Yeah, I pray that you would guide us and teach us of these things And as a church, help us to do more for worldwide missions than we've ever done before to the glory of God our Savior. And we ask it in your name.